Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, Half Hope. Hey, everyone. It's Carl Anke. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social media at Talking Tactics on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You guys know the deal. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on SoundCloud, hit the hearts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review, and we will read it on the show. Also, if you want to help the podcast out monetarily, remember to support us on Patreon. Just $3 a month, and you get access to a whole bunch of stuff. So I encourage everybody to check it out if you haven't already. Shout out to all the Patreons that we have as well. Anything coming out this week that the people should know? Champions League, man. Champions League. So uh, we are back at it Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and I'm hoping for a massive, huge celebration after Chelsea levitates Krasnodar. Carl, what do you have coming out that people should know about? Uh, you will find out at 9 o'clock GMT Tuesday morning. <laughs> do Have Hope and I already know about this thing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, do I? Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. It should be fun. Let's get into it. Let's start out with the big match of the week. Uh, Chelsea played a boring nil-nil draw with Manchester United. Um, have hope. I'll start with you. What do you, you you know when like the games, the Saturday games, it's not necessarily the first game, but it feels like it's just so long ago, even though it was Monday. It were it's Monday now, but that game was two days ago. But it feels like a lifetime ago because mm. it was that boring. So. <laughs> What what if anything can you pull from your memory from that nil nil? Why Chelsea decided to defend with every man, woman, child, and village urchin against a United side that you knew didn't have Martial? Um, why United didn't just say, "Hey, let's just start Cavani and so forth"? And I think it's one of those things of where I'm just trying to figure out. Was it a case of Sokshire expected Chelsea to be attacking and then they expected they didn't be on the on the counter? And when Chelsea came with a defensive lineup, Sokshire was like, oh, shit, damn, okay, what do we do now? Because we, I was here just to counter based on my lineup because I expected you guys to come and attack us. Or were United's plan always just to be conservative, which I, I, I doubt. And for the Chelsea thing, is just trying to figure out that Yes, you want to breed confidence for the defense and so forth. I don't know how much praise I can give the defense for defending against Daniel Jeremiah James. That's what I'm. I'm, I'm is this middle name Jeremiah? Am I gonna Google this? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, is it just a, a middle let, let name? Me, I, I throw in let me let me bring this. Let me bring this in in true half up stuff. His middle name is Owen, but the fact you made me look this up <laughs> is a credit to the work of Half Hope. <laughs> So the, that's that's the thing about Jeremiah. It sounds so good as a middle <laughs> yeah, name yeah, that, yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. that when Half Hope says it for everybody, I remember the first time I heard it. I think he said like Gareth Jeremiah Bale. I was like, is his name Jeremiah? So I went to look it up, and it's like some standard British Robert Patrick Michael Ian, one of those. So it's like, ah, interesting. It does. It, it is a good middle name. Yeah, it was a it was a very dull game. I started it with a, a beer. And by the end of it, I had drank far too many beers than I should have drank in a 90-minute period because I was so aggressively bored. 
Um, so the way <laughs> things work out at the Athletic, I don't cover every single Manchester United game. Um, so I'm not walking the next three ones. But, uh, oh, that was painful. Really painful. And it very much looked, and what was very interesting was around about the 60-minute mark, as opposed to the PSG game for Manchester United, they didn't go, go on, Ollie, go for the jugular. I just went, you know what? Take the draw. I don't care. Um, that's not to say Oli didn't try and win. What was interesting was he went for the 4-2-3-1 rather than the three at the back that he, you know, I say used to, used in three of the four games against Lampard last season, that mm. one. Um, but I think the way they lost the FA Cup final with three at the back definitely spooked him a little bit. So, uh, well, I think he went back to four at the back. It was okay. I'd say the substitutes he made were very good. Pogba, Cavani and Greenwood. You can't say Solskjaer didn't try and win that game. I think he was scared of Rhys James uh, and therefore went for Dan James with defensive output there. Um, that's why I saw from the, Man- from the Manchester United end, where they tried for a bit, but also they were happy with the draw. What did you see from the Chelsea point of view? Well, I thought that Lampard thought Ali was going to play with the back five that he did in previous games. So he was like, well, we're going to match systems because it would have made sense that Lampard would have played with a back five against Sevilla in the Champions League, but he didn't. So I just think he was like, well, I'll probably watch the tape. Me and the other coaches, they're going to play a back five. We should match the systems because we tend to have trouble, speaking from their perspective, we tend to have trouble when a team plays with a back three, back five, whichever way you want to say it, and we don't. But it just so happens that, I guess, as you say, Ali was spooked with playing the back five, so he came with four in the back. And Lampard was just – he had a system that was there for control but not necessarily to attack and Ali mm. was kind of the same thing. It was more pragmatic, like the idea that you don't play Pogba, that you don't play Greenwood and those kinds of players, and obviously Martial's missing. Then you add that on top of, you know, no number 10 for Chelsea, Jorginho Conte midfield. There's nobody really to carry the ball forward in that sense. It was just a stalemate. So it was like, who who's going to make the first move? Ali tried, I think, as you mentioned, with, you know, the Cavani-Pogba substitutions, but... I guess Lampard was just happy you go to Old Trafford and you get a point. I guess you can count that as some sort of success. It's not an L. So maybe we can beat them at Stamford Bridge is what he's thinking. And, you know, we win the we win the season series in that sense. Um, so it was just two managers canceling each other out. Yeah, it very much seemed to like two managers afraid to be to lose in case they get the whole you're just no tactics, just vibes. <laughs> um, and and yeah, you are. A very poor draw at the moment. The way the Premier League table looks, that's fine. I mean, I don't think. Do you ever look at the Premier League table every now and again outside of the top half? So, like every now and again, I look at the Premier League table, get really confused. So, last time I checked, Everton were top, but they just lost to Southampton. So, let me just double check that now. Yeah, Everton top, Liverpool second, Aston Villa third, Leicester City fourth. Tottenham have just gone to fifth now. They've beaten Burnley, uh, and, and Leeds United in sixth. That's a weird top six. Um, Chelsea are 10th and Manchester United are 15th. Where's City? Uh, they're 13th. <laughs> weird, se- weird season. We're doing the World Cup hangover stuff early. Um, of the two teams, mm-hmm. Ch- Chelsea and Manchester United, um, you can only pick one of those teams to finish in the top four. Which one are you picking? Half hope you take this one. <laughs> man, that's, that's such an impossible <laughs> question, man, based on where they are right now. Um, that's why I passed the baton. Though. I don't know. Put it this way, Chelsea better finish in the top four. How about that? <laughs> That's my answer. I have a screenshot of one of your tweets before the start of the season, Hope. And if it doesn't come to pass, I'm going to camp in your mentions. What is it? Or is it is it uh, I'm saving it. It's one of those nah, things. Okay. It's one of those things Hope just drops off when he wants. 
Overload. All right, we can talk about City briefly, um, if only so we can talk about the Michel Antonio goal, which I thought was really good. Did you ever expect him to do anything like that? Wait, yeah, I, 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 I thought he just pissed on power. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, I didn't know he had bicycle kick uh, tendencies, but hey, what a good finish from Michel Antonio. That's, that was, that's kind of my point, Double H. <laughs> He's just a kick and run merchant. Uh, not quite. Liverpool, Liverpool came through with a W. Um, Femino finally scored. Yeah, because I guess, I don't know. I guess I would have assumed that the first game without Van Dyke would be the one you lose. Or this official game in the, in the Premier League, but they didn't. They ground it out, which is good. And against a, a Sheffield United side, you need to ground things out. Um, Van Dyke's injury is a big deal, but I don't think it's a big deal in the same way Laporte's injury for Manchester City was last season. Mm-hmm. Van Dyke is a big deal because you know, Liverpool will have to defend in a more conventional manner. They won't have to. They can't play that high line anymore. They can't do that thing where they basically take breaks in between games because Van Dijk can shut things down. They will have to defend properly. But such is the quality of Fabinho. I think they'll still be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. They still have a lot of options. When you consider the amount of players they're not taking for their Champions League game this weekend, they're not this week. They're not taking Thiago. They're not taking Naby. They're not taking. Uh, there is one more player they're not taking as well. But they're still they're still so stacked, and they've still got Jurgen Klopp, who, in my opinion, is the best manager in the world right now. Mm. So I, and I didn't pick them. I didn't predict them to win the league at the start of the season, and I said they wouldn't win because they didn't have enough depth at centre back, and now they've lost their best centre back. But I should keep thinking of Manchester City, but Manchester City look so poor, so poor in that draw against West Ham. Mm. Uh, this. Rodri pivot thing is not it. Um, Sergio Aguero now looks to be injured for at least a month, perhaps even longer. Uh, it got announced today. Yeah, I read that. Um, the defence looks flaky. The, the defensive midfield just doesn't have the bite it used to have. Uh, and with no Aguero, even though Gabriel Jesus has got better, mm. so. so do you? Get, what are the chances you think the table course corrects or is this just going to be one of those seasons that it's, nobody sees coming it's, it's you know i believe it will course correct but covid maybe this whole because again look at that east milan top of the, the table over, over, over there and they've not been you know they've not been at that top of the table since i think they said 2012 or something so as much as I think that, hey, this is what it is. I remember one season where Villa were top of the table till like December, then they ended up being fifth or, or sixth. So my thing is, it should cost correct. I believe it will cost correct, but maybe we are missing, maybe because we don't know, maybe this COVID thing is having an effect of quick turnover, fixture congestion, Champions League games are now coming in a lot quicker. I'm like, whoa, geez, Champions League. This week and next week, oh geez! So <laughs> it's such a crazy fixture thing that maybe somehow it is now going to really be affecting the top teams in ways it's going to affect the other teams who don't have to deal with, with it. Let's review this in December, but I feel that we may not fully know or understand the true effects that the COVID schedule based on necessity, because these games have to be played and ended at a particular time specifically because mm-hmm. they want the, the Euros to take place next summer. Mm-hmm. We probably do not know how this is going to affect teams who play in Europe. They're getting these European games out 
week to week to week to week, right? We're doing three group Champions League group games back to back to back. Um, so we're doing a Premier League season with a truncated preseason. There were 35 days between the end of Manchester United's 2019-2020 season and the start of their 2020-2021 season. So whereas you get at least 24 days worth of preseason to train and learn new techniques, Manchester United have about four training sessions. You've got to bear in mind, due to the way COVID works, you can't train with the entire squad. So they are still largely training kind of in pods. So if you're a new assigning, depending on where you get placed, you might just hang out with all the attackers or you might just hang out with all your countrymen that can speak your language. So you're in a lot of trouble there. Um, this really reminds me of those post-World Cup hangover seasons that you used to get back in the back in the back in the day. So uh, I don't know the age of everyone else on this podcast, but I think up until about up until 2006, in a World Cup hangover season, it'd be very no. Basically, in the in the season either before or just after World Cup, it, it was very rare that one that one of Real Madrid or Barcelona would win La Liga in those seasons because it was just like, oh, all those good players were off at the World Cup, and now it's the time for Valencia or Atletico to, to like sneak up somewhere. So uh, while things have changed and rampant hypercapitalism have made it harder for teams to sneak in, I think you could see someone gate crash the top four. When I say gate crash, I, it could just be Spurs again, <laughs> or it could be Leicester again. You never know. Uh, but I imagine the Champions League setup and the Europa League setup could be very, very different come the end of this season. And I, that probably is the reason why so many of these big clubs right now are like, uh, big picture, uh, Super League. Okay, I have a question. Um, and maybe this comes from more an American sporting context than anything. And I have an idea, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. In America, like NFL, NBA, having home field advantage or home court advantage is like a big deal. Like you play the whole regular season, so you have that in the would-be playoffs, right? How much importance would you give to home pitch advantage in football? Meaning a whole crowd full of 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people potentially. Like is that important to the outcome of a game, would you say? It must be. It must be now. Even at points where we thought it wasn't, it's shown that it must be. And I think what's really, I mean, even if I don't think it's true, what's important is the football players themselves think it's true. It was mm. very telling that Declan Rice said after the 3-3 that he doesn't understand why teams playing at home can't seem to get wins, but something's going on and maybe it's to do with a lack of fans. He doesn't understand what's going on and why it's happening, but he knows something's happening. If you look at that, you know, Spurs 3-3 West Ham, the West Ham players were celebrating as if they just won and the Spurs looked as if they'd been absolutely wrecked. It was a draw. It was fine. I don't think that result happens if you have a crowd because the crowd would just yell at you to tell you to start hoofing the ball or stop making mistakes. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm saying if there is home pitch advantage in theory, it's kind of curious to me that the teams that are better are 10th, 12th, 11th, 15th. You would say the teams that have better players should be higher in the table. That's kind of how this works. So if they're going into a Crystal Palace or a Burnley or a London Stadium to play West Ham, you would think this team is better on paper. They should be winning. There's no crowd to help the would-be lesser team. So the fact that the table looks like it does and there's nobody in the stadiums that would ostensibly help um, the worst teams in that sense, to me mm -hmm. that's quite odd unless – Maybe you could say it works in the inverse. So if you're West Ham and you, or let's use last season or 
you know, if you're Southampton and you go to Stamford Bridge and nobody's in the stadium, Chelsea yeah, don't have that advantage. But still, still beat, Chelsea have better players than you. Southampton still beat Chelsea uh, at Stamford Bridge. Um, what I'll say is, a lot of, when you talk about the better teams with the better players, a lot, a lot of these better teams with better players have more internationals, right? Mm-hmm. So we had two batches. We had two international breaks before we even had five Premier League games. A lot of these. So let's let's break it down. Um, Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, Wolverhampton Wanderers all went into European excursions and played into August, right? Uh, Manchester United went furthest because they went to the semi-finals of the Europa League. Um, Manchester City got pretty far. All these teams have really loads of um, internationals. So they also played those international breaks. When you look at players that are just getting COVID, right? So Pogba got COVID while on international duty for France. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has COVID when he was on international duty for Portugal, which then created problems for the rest of the Portuguese team. Like the entire Wolf squad, which is like, oh God, if Ronaldo's got COVID, what does that mean for us? And I think a lot of it is a lot of these big teams have better players because they, they can run, right? These guys are used to running... 30, you know, 10 to 13 kilometers per game and playing very, very, very um, pronounced tactical systems that take a lot of book learning and a lot of strategy. And the less time you have to work on that sort of stuff, the more things worry. Um, whereas if you're Crystal Palace, you're Roy Hoshin, you don't really have that many players going international duty. You're in, a lot of your game is to do with counterattacking. So when you play against Manchester United at home, you're just like, all right, boys, we're going to do the Crystal Palace way. We're going to sit back. And when United break, there's going to be huge gaps. And Harry Maguire can't run that much because not only did he only have 35 days off, but he also spent some time in a prison. <laughs> he has to get behind him. Um, and, and I think you've seen that. Uh, and like, A lot of these teams that perhaps didn't, that also not only didn't have all the internationals go away, but also had a bit more time with training have got better because they've made signings, right? Uh, I I watched a lot of Aston Villa last season and I hated it. There was a point, I remember I said it in January or just when we came back from Project Restart, like, why have I watched so much Aston Villa? I do not like watching Aston Villa. I do not understand what they're trying to do. Aston Villa put seven past Liverpool because they've now got a better squad. They've now got better players. They've now decided to get a pronounced system and Dean Smith has turned out to be quite a good football manager. And I think what you're seeing now is a lot of teams possibly undervaluing how good Aston Villa is because there just hasn't been the time to scout and to do those reports on new Aston Villa and they're still going on by their 1920 rule books. Mm. Question and complete deviation not related to anything. But because we're African, I think yep. this is I think this is an important question. Is there any universe that your parents would allow you to pursue a football career over taking a scholarship to Harvard? No. Mm-mm. Double H? No. <laughs> so do you guys know the story of Patrick Bedford? Where yeah, yeah, he yeah. was he was he was with Nottingham Forest, I think in 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. And Harvard offered him like a business scholarship. So he had like the GCSEs and all of that to get into Harvard. And they wanted him to come play on a football scholarship, but also do business, or he was going to study business. But his parents allowed him to pursue his football career and eventually he went to Chelsea, I think, sometime later and went on a bunch of loans, eventually found himself at Leeds, scored a hat trick, I think, on Friday, was it? Um, and I was just curious, like, <laughs> could you imagine, like, yeah, mom, uh, Harvard offered me a scholarship, <laughs> but, you know, I want to stay in England. 
no, no. That's, that's not happening, bro. Ah, I think my dad would literally hit me with a shoe. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no way. Like, what do you mean? Like, Harvard will offer you a scholarship? So I don't know. I was like, maybe, maybe your parents are different than my parents, but that's not happening. Bamford looks good. Uh, and what's really interesting is that he he seems to have more pockets of space to play in the Premier League than he did in a Championship, which maybe that makes sense. Maybe this whole concept of being too good for the Championship and not good enough for the Premier League isn't applicable to every sort of striker. And it also speaks to, the, to just how good Bielsa is as a coach. Because right? mm. we, we, we've had at least three attempts of trying to make Patrick Bamford Premier League striker a thing, and it's only started working when Bielsa came in. Which, um, have I been on this podcast and told you about Murder Ball? I don't recall. Right, Murder Ball is a training method that Bielsa uses to get his Leeds team into shape. Um, so it is played on one of their training pitches. And what happens um, is the coaching staff uh, stands around the entire edge of the pitch and they all hold footballs. There is no referee and Bielsa makes them play 11 v 11, no referee. Anytime the ball goes out of play, one of the coaching staff immediately throws a new ball back into play. So it's just continuous football uh, and you're not allowed to stop until Bielsa says stop. Damn. That's called murder ball and that's something Bielsa makes his team do regularly. And that's why Leeds are like, yeah, the championship energy level is easy. Premier League energy level is easy because we do murder ball frequently. Uh, I'll say this to you right now. Um, I have not been to the gym since March. Uh, I cancelled my gym membership finally last week. Uh, how long do you think you could last playing a game of murder ball? Two right minutes. now? Um, a minute, uh, maybe. A minute? Yeah. A minute and a half. <laughs> no. I'm not lying. Like Probably like a minute or two minutes. Not commenters, please let us know how long you could tell me how long you think you're. Am I a goalkeeper? Uh, you are playing in your traditional position that you normally play. Thirty minutes, forty minutes, thirty minutes. As a goalkeeper, as a goalkeeper, of course. (laughs) You're a goalkeeper. Okay. You know, no, 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 for me, like nothing more than like. I mean, max. If you're a midfielder, if you, uh, hey, Daniel, go go play fucking central midfield. Like, really? Okay, (laughs) like thirty seconds. Max five minutes. Maximum five minutes, like nothing, no, nothing more. I mean, like if I'm if I'm playing with civilians, civilian civilians, like all you other guys, I reckon I could last fifteen. If I'm playing with anyone with like even semi-professional footballing skills, less than ten. Yeah, probably five. Yeah, actually, Carl kind of set this up earlier, so let's 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 talk about the Super League now. I found it interesting that there was like the some projects that. Manchester United and Liverpool came up with that was then rejected by the Premier League shareholders. And then a few days later, there was this thing that, yo, they've started the whole process of getting into a Super League and, you know, Chelsea are candidates, Tottenham are candidates, Arsenal candidates, City are candidates. They've reached out to Barcelona, Madrid, like all these places. And this thing is now FIFA-backed, or at least that's the presumption, is that FIFA wants in on this. Do you guys see a scenario by let's let's take the next decade? Do you think by 2030, the way that we understand and see football right now isn't what it will be 10 years from now? This is going to happen. It's just a matter of like when it's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. Ten years, I don't know. But I think what you may see in 10 years is really the true start of football being changed. But I would say maybe the next 15 to 20 years, football will be completely different. Like you may be seeing 
ads during games. You may be seeing a whole new league, a whole new format, and a whole new way of marketing and presenting the, the game. Because I think in this 10 years, it's going to have a lot of pushback. So you'll see them try to push things and push back, push things, push back. So, but at the end of the 10 years, you will see much more of a concrete plan of how the powers that be want to change how football is presented. But yeah, I mean, like it's, it's going to happen. Like as I said again, too much money is being made. And this spot is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you, you don't have fans who are part of the ownership. You have business owners, mm-hmm. you know. And because you have business owners, they're thinking of profits. Because I've always said, so if Jeff Bezos <laughs> comes to the Premier League team that say, you know, whatever you're earning, come to my ecosystem, you're going to be earning 20, 30 times as, as much. Let's build a own league as well because you come to my league, you bring in all your fans, your whole viewership, you will earn so much more. Especially in this whole COVID time, you will earn so much more. And any businessman, no matter how rich he is, wants to earn more money. They're obsessed with earning more money. It's like a drug. So as long as football maintains its popularity, which it will, because I don't see the UFC, boxing or anything coming close to football's popularity, they will push for putting the sports in a system where they can make far more, much more money because where they are right now, it's just not going to... The, the, the money that an Amazon can give them is far more than what a Syria, Bundesliga, Premier League can give. So, I think the change already happened, you know? Look, look where we are in 2020. Where were we in 2010, right? In 2010, it was the very, very first Champions League final. They moved from a Wednesday night to a Saturday night because they said it gets more international audiences. And now... The Champions League final has mostly gone behind pay TV in the United Kingdom. You can watch it on YouTube or you can watch it on BT Sport. Whereas they're doing, they're doing. It's not halftime shows, but do you remember when like Alicia Keys and yeah, yeah, Dua yeah. Lipa and all these people yeah. started Will singing Smith. before the before the game? Yeah, we we did this. Uh, we did that episode at the start of the year where we looked. At, we did our retrospective of the decade. If you look mm. at what Bayern Munich won eight of the league titles in the last decade, Juventus won eight. Uh, in 2010, Manchester City were only just becoming a thing. Ferguson was still in charge of Manchester United. Like A lot's changed. A lot has changed in the football. The Euros were a tighter tournament. Didn't have this third, you know, best third-place finisher going through. Yeah. Um, the Club World Cup was not a thing. You, you can't say, I don't feel as if football is changing. When football is changing regardless. The loss of earnings in COVID has definitely got some interested parties spooked. And what we're doing now is... There needs to be some form of bailout. I, I'm, I'm speaking very much from an English perspective and an English perspective from outside of the Premier League. So there needs to be some form of bailout because a lot of these clubs are hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. Uh, always bear in mind, League One didn't really exist between April and now. Uh, and now League One's come back. There's a salary cap, which, you know, hor- you know horribly, which basically weights things heavily in favour of championship teams that get relegated. League One teams, League Two teams, and I'd say at least a quarter of the championship teams need some form of a bailout. They don't know if they're going to get that bailout from the Premier League or from the government. Clubs need gate receipts, horribly. Um, and only really can the big clubs sort of survive without it because of TV, and that's why you're seeing this move to pay-per-view. But even then, pay-per-view seems to be just... Um, the fact that Mike Ashley is going, you should lower the price. And <laughs> Mike Ashley, I mean, one, 
Mike actually knows how commerce works. So if Mike, but so Mike actually saying lower the price, probably a good idea. They were um, they were charging what it was like fifteen pounds for 15. Crystal Palace and yeah, yeah. somebody. I was just yeah. like nobody's paying that money to watch that um, unless you're a super Crystal Palace fan. Like the I, I'm not paid have. for any pay per view games. Every time my pay per view games come up, I've donated money to one of Marcus Rashford's charities. I have watched one pay pay per view game, which was uh, the Manchester United versus Newcastle one because I had to cover that one for work. But there you have it, right? It, it's it's remarkable right now. You're living in the United Kingdom. You can pay a hundred pound a month and still not be able to watch every single Premier League game. That's preposterous. Trash. Preposterous. Um, and there needs to be a bailout. And all these, the government is mothballing when fans can come back into. I've you know, through due work, I've heard certain dates be proposed as to when fans might be allowed in. Some of them positive, some of them not so positive. Um, so there's that. And the government's like, we don't really want to have to bail out football clubs. The Premier League is very much like, you know, we could bail them out, but if we're going to bail them out, we're going to do something, mm. which is why you've seen proposals like Project Big Picture. And I think very much, and what I'm saying here is not as an athletic journalist, this is a personal thing. I think what they're doing there is the very sort of American politics version of, if you just get all of your requests down on paper and people say, this one's good, this one's bad, this one's good, this one's bad, then the next time you can redraft it and you can keep some of the things you still want. Um, so I think what you've got now in English football, at least, is the fans and a number of clubs, historical clubs particularly, um, in a lot of pain and needing some form of bailout, but they don't know where this bailout is coming from. And anyone that can give them a bailout will be acting in some form of self-interest. So right. whether it's the government going, we'll let you in because we're such a great government. And shouldn't you talk about how good the government is to let you play football again? Or it could be the Premier League going, we'll let you have some money, but now we're getting rid of the League Cup. Or now it's even easier for us to get your under-23 players for an extra no money. It remains to be seen. I've said it before. In April, I thought we might come back to football and it's going to be fairer and more egalitarian and we might get fun for me. <laughs> yeah. See, you're laughing. Like, I thought we might get some form of more like balance, checks and balances. And, like, just, 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 like, just a slight tint of scoff in that. Yeah, in that I thought line. we might get some like trickle down economics, but then I think the moment. Ronald Reagan tried that, Carl. You yeah, can... yeah. And then I thought when uh, basically when we got to June, I went, oh, it's, it's happening. And you know what? I'm, I've said this before and I said this again, not as a journalist, but like. Some of these clubs keep teasing and teasing and teasing and threatening a Super League that I'm now of the opinion, just fuck off. I'm sorry for swearing. Well, like, if, if United and Liverpool and AC Milan and the rest of them want to go away and create a Super League and play each other however times, go, go away. I don't care. Leave the rest of us and Everton to figure out what's going on. <laughs> the rest and of us and Everton. And, yeah. No, but I, you know, I, I think Have Hope has voiced that sense of it multiple times where it's just like, just go. There's only so many times you can keep teasing this. Like, if you want to keep doing this nonsense, move. I don't care. I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm going to presume you have this somewhere in your brain. Is this anything like when the Premier League originated from uh-huh. and, it, and, and it separated from the first division? Or is, are those stories, they shouldn't be linked? Project, I'd say this. Project Big Picture is probably the biggest proposal put forward since the dawn of the Premier League in 1992. And, and the biggest, more, most written in pen proposal given out since then. And I think... It speaks to a lot of how business was going, that it took a global pandemic and a recession to make people go, maybe we should change things quicker. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't draw direct parallels, but I, I, I very much feel confident saying this is the biggest thing since then. I think it is pretty similar. 
like it's not exactly the same. It's it's pretty similar because again, why were they? Why do they want to break away? We can make a lot more money if we brand this, market it well, and get a larger share of the TV money, which we're not getting under the EFL English Football League. So it's the kind of similar sentiment that okay, if we now break away from the Premier League, create our own league, we're going to get more money, brand it a lot better. Because remember, this is 1992. No social media and everything, but Sky was becoming in. Cable television was, was becoming in. And now Sky was now branching in. So even like, I was watching the games in, in, in Nigeria. So they were like, let's take advantage of, a, of this whole new TV, satellite, cable, Sky thing that's happening. So right now, fast forward to 2020, let's take advantage of this new... Roku, Fire TV Stick, Amazon Prime, I streaming think thing, you like that. overrate Amazon's influence on the Premier League. I think Amazon Amazon dipped their toe into the Premier League last season and it was okay, but I don't think Bezos and Google are going in hard in the Premier League in the way you think they want to. They'd be foolish not to. Yeah, not, like not you, to. You, you don't think there could be like some, I don't know, like a Netflix or... Apple or somebody like that that's just thinking, well, I mean, it's there to be taken if we want it. Like, I'm sure they have enough money to to, to do a deal. Um, I, the cost per benefit at the moment is not large enough. Um, and what we're in a state, of, and I, I think I was on this podcast years ago when I said if Amazon are going to get interested in football, it's so they can sell prime subscriptions in Australia. Remember? Yes, mm. I remember that. Yeah. Um, look, the, the bubble of football broadcasting, as we are currently discussing it, is getting bigger at a rate that is unsustainable. Do you guys know about France um, and Media Pro? Media Pro projected that at 15 euros a month, I believe, that they would need 3 million subscribers in order to pay the money that they said they would. And I think currently they have somewhere between a quarter of a million and half a million. So they're like 10, 8 to 10% well, I guess 90% below their projections. So people are going into debt trying to pay Liga on. So that's one deal that you look at like, hmm, I can understand maybe why PSG, or I could understand why the elite French clubs, and I had a conversation with a buddy, but he was thinking the elite French clubs should probably do something similar to what the Premier League did in the early 90s, where it's just like Marseille, PSG, Monaco, Toulouse, Bordeaux, Hey, we need. We should start our own thing, independent of what the French league is doing, because they've they've messed it up here. So the, that could be one scenario where you look at it, it's just like the bubble that Carl speaks of. At least in some countries, I think it's bursting. Yeah, right. This, the bubble cannot continue in the way it can. Now, if you are sensible, you go. You can let a little bit of air out the bubble and continue going a bit further, right? So mm. if you go, you know what. The way we're currently earning money in the Premier League is strangling everything below us. You know, Bolton was in crisis. Burnley was in crisis. To, to the two chains. Got the football club in the corner. they in crisis. Um, and you can sustain it by just giving a little bit more money down further on. Right? You can just, like, trickle down. Again, trickle down economics. You can <laughs> Trickle down economics doesn't work because the money doesn't get trickled down. But you can, and, and but you can, if the Premier League just went, if we can further sustain the health of the EPL of the English Football League by just making sure there's more money down there, by just making sure League One and League Two and the Championship survive, by making some sort of adaptations to the FA Cup or the League Cup, the bubble will keep going, and you can keep having football as we know it in this time where 
most of the big clubs make loads of money, you can keep doing that for years and years and years. But I think the problem is you're getting a lot of clubs want to make sure they get all of the money. Um, right. I'd say what you have, like you've got a lot of American investors right now that are particularly interested in the Premier League because Brexit might be happening. Um, so ever since Chinese investment sort of dried up and Brexit might be happening, there's a lot of American investors now going, oh, this might be worth investing in. However, American investors are absolutely terrified of relegation. <laughs> they don't want that. <laughs> relegation, is, relegation is so bad for business, right? Yeah. So you, you bear in mind uh, the Chinese owners of Swansea City bought Swansea City for 200 million when they were in the Premier League. Swansea are now mid table in the Championship. They're now worth 150, 110 million. But, the, the, Carl, the, but the, the, the major American owners in the Premier League own Liverpool, Arsenal, and Manchester United. Uh, again, you see, this is the problem you're doing. You're talking about the main ones. Yeah, you're no, but the, 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 you're not talking these... about the tinier ones, right? So let's talk about the the American investors at Crystal Palace. You shouldn't be looking at the top. Don't. Who's the dude? Yeah, the yeah, Parish yeah. guy is the Parish guy. Is he an owner? Or is he just like Parish owns a lot? But there are American investors in Crystal Palace, and they're terrified. So it's no surprise when you're seeing these things about Project Big Picture and all these proposals. It tends to be Crystal Palace and Burnley going, yeah, yeah, do it now, do it now, because you know Crystal Palace and in the history of the Premier League, Crystal clubs like Crystal Palace and Burnley haven't been there for all 25 years, all mm. since since 1992, right? Burnley spent a lot, the majority of the last 30 years outside of the Premier League, and now they're in the Premier League. They're like, yeah, yeah, do do Big Picture now, do it right now, so we can secure our place because these clubs don't want to lose the lucrative money that comes in, which is that problem of you can make it a bit fairer and then risk, you know, again, you can risk some relegation or you can risk an occasional season where you're not in the Champions League. But those clubs don't want to do it because there is so much money on the line. Bigger question for Europe. Would you be willing to sacrifice, maybe not the way domestic football is situated currently, but would you be willing to give up the way the Champions League is currently structured for a more league-orientated style of European football, meaning you do away with the Champions League in, in, in the way it's currently formatted. But then you could have the Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, Manchester City, Spurs, Dortmund, Bayern, PSG, uh, just you know all the big clubs around Europe. I don't need to go through the whole list, but they would just play their own independent league on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Would you be willing to sacrifice that to keep domestic football how it is? I mean, no, no. I mean, for me, if it means sacrificing the Champions League in its formats for the Super League, nah. nah. <laughs> um, I want my, my two legs. Give me my two legs. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Champions League, like, it is one of the best competitions, hands down, in the world. Sporting competitions. In because for me, whole... that seems like the best compromise they'll have over. Yeah. No, no, no. Because for me, just like... This thing, you shouldn't need to compromise. I know, but like, if it's going to happen... Okay, not having as much money, and this concept of if it's going to happen, it doesn't have to happen. But it's such, uh, uh, I don't want to say boneheaded, but it's such a annoying, hyper capitalist form of thing. Of well, we the only way we can continue making this much money is to get bigger and bigger and do these things. Like you don't have to make this much money. It's not you don't need to do this. <laughs> well, oh no, oh, 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 no. Rich people always want to make more money. Trust this me. This is it, right? So <laughs> it's like, it's, it's it's like there is no rich man that's like, oh, I've I've made enough money. I don't need to make any more. Nah. So right. have you seen You're Stan right. Kroenke's mustache? Does, does that guy look like he was happy with his money? Nah. You real? I missed this podcast. <laughs> Yo, can't you invest in Manchester United? Like they have a share price, a stock price. Yeah, they're on New York. They're on the New and York. And like Spot Juventus market. has something similar where you can invest in Juventus. Like once you say you can invest in us, there's no 
we're making enough money. It's always we are now beholden to the people who are investing in us, and we need that stock price to go up, which means new deals, new this, new that. Where's mm-hmm. the new ground? How can we breach this? How can we get move into Asian markets? How can we move into the African market? How we can move there? Like all the, once you create just an overt, it's always been a business, but once you just go that far, there there is no we're good now. It's never enough. And yeah. once you reach that, then there there is no stone that you won't overturn or look under. So destroy Premier League football? Uh-huh. Who cares? We just got here. Let's make as much money as we can. <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing. This is the, the very good argument that's being put forward by a lot of the historical clubs in the championship going, who is, Bur- who is Burnley and Crystal Palace to a lesser degree? Right. And when I say Burnley, I'm, I'm talking a little bit about Burnley, Burnley, not about like the editorial Burnley. But who are these teams that have only been in the Premier League for four to five seasons? Compared that now... to like a Sunderland or... Yeah, yeah look, look yeah. at Sunderland. Let's really look at Sunderland, right? They fought tooth and nail to get into the Premier League at the turn of the millennium in 2000. They were ever-present for the best part of the decade. Um, they are for, if you're talking about editorial reasons and whatnot, they would possibly figure into one of the quote-unquote best Premier League setups because of their rival with Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're in League One, right? <laughs> they, they, got, they got back-to-back relegations due to just organisational mess. They looked almost there into kind of getting towards the playoff spaces towards League One towards the end of last season. And then League One just stopped existing because of COVID. And now League One has a salary cap. So how, how are Sunderland meant to get out of League One, get into the Championship so they can then get into the Premier League? Sunderland will probably not be a Premier League team in the next five to six years unless an amazing manager happens or they find a fantastic foot or they find a fantastic football player. So you're talking about this massive financial restructuring coming from other clubs. Where does that leave a club like Sunderland? Where does it leave a club like Derby? Again, or where does it leave a club like Nottingham Forest? These, mm. you know, Derby, you know, Nottingham Forest has two European Cups. If you're talking about biggest clubs in England, they have historical merit in a way that few do yeah so if we want to talk about champions league quickly um what happened in the week that's important what do you guys think is going to happen this week that's important give Sogshire his kudos for um that win against psg psg are still uh are a team that are just very indisciplined and i worry about mbappe's development there lazio might be a team to watch you know, I think Lazio, Immobile, Milinkovic, Savage, those dudes, I think they're 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 gonna be a team to which I think that may be like one of those surprises that may speak speaking so like the last four like the Leipzig did. Real Madrid, you just know these guys are not sniffing a champions like that first half was a disgrace. An absolute Bad. disgrace. And it just shows you how important Sergio Ramos is to that team. Like he he leaves and Varane looks like a class A brick. So <laughs> coming in so um this week, I have no idea what's going to happen between Juve and Barcelona because both teams are not... Okay, Juventus drew with Crotone and Hellas Verona. Barcelona coming off 12 in, in, La, in La Liga, so I have no idea who's going to win. Sorry, doesn't now. look so bad now, does he, Juve fans? Does he, huh? Yeah. Does he? Pirlo. Um, but, but I think... No, no, no. <laughs> I think the, the, the United group is going to be very interesting. Specifically, what the results of the Leipzig game is going to be because I think... I don't even want to think it, but could PSG 
goes to the Europa. But you know, that's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to think. It, don't they have their own wing? Like that would they would need two wings? Oh no, or like oh, no, oh, no, a no, new the, and improved wing. The, or... the winger was taken down after they made the final. It was replaced by the Barcelona wing. Ah, after eight two. So. <laughs> it's been replaced. Tuchel was done out here, man. It's stressful. Do you know, I, I had think... a friend who called Tuchel the Phil. He was going to be Phil Jackson. <laughs> Because oh, he, he he was calling uh, Mbappe and Neymar the Shaq and Kobe, Ooh. and he, he said Tucho was going to be Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shout out, shout out, Tosa, man. Okay, um, where could we go? I had a question. Ah, Carl, let's talk about Paul Pogba quickly. Sure. What's going on with him? Why is it is is it? purely COVID the reason that he's on the bench and he's just recovering his fitness or because I've seen a lot of United fans that were just like oh yeah he's just a squad player he's just on the bench when he when we need him he comes in but he's not a guaranteed starter for United at least that's what I I get but maybe you have a more nuanced no I think what's happening is you're seeing the end of a player who has been hard well not hard done but he's he, he was missold he was he was sold the dream for Manchester United they went it was very much Pep went to Manchester City. It looked as if Pogba was kind of interested in going to Manchester City to work with Pep. That didn't quite happen. Uh, and United came to him, made a pitch, went, we'll make you the star player. We'll give you a massive marking opportunity. Uh, we'll give you Mr. Mourinho. And we think you two will get along and you will have the platform you need to to, to fill your, fulfill your dreams. Pogba, we know, had at the time massive ambitions for winning the Ballon d'Or. And it was a good pitch. Also, that pitch just never came to pass, right? So he's never really had a midfield built around him at Manchester United, I'd say. He's never really been given complimentary pieces. Manchester United never really quite understood him. Um, yeah, he's six foot two and looks like he could be a very good ball-winning midfielder in the same way Moussa Dembele can be. But Paul Pogba isn't that interested in defending and should be given people to do the defending for him while he can do what he wants and garnish games. Um, and I don't think that has ever been possible for him at Manchester United. When you look at the good time he was at Man United, which is when Mourinho left, Solskjaer came in and Solskjaer built the entire midfield around Pogba and went, all right, Nemanja Matic wins the ball and Ander Herrera does all the ball running and Paul Pogba plays on the left or 4-3-3 and can arrive in the box and do what he wants. He was one of the best players in the league for mm. between like December and April, and then Ander Herrera got hurt and the whole system fell apart. And then Pogba went, yeah, it'd be cool to go to Real Madrid. And I think that's been the I think that's been it. I think what's happened is you're seeing a football player who is effectively serving out his notice. Every now and again, you get these seasons where a player does their like plus one season. Like, you know what? I should have left last season, but I'm staying here. Hopefully, I can get you some silverware or like can get you what I'm supposed to get. And then afterwards, you're going to spend the whole summer getting me my job, getting me my dream job. So Hazard's last season at Chelsea. Hazard wanted to go to Real Madrid this season before, and he was like, you know what, I'll stay and I'll like help you get back in the Champions League. But when I when the season's done, you need to get me to Real Madrid ASAP. He did his, his part of the bargain, won the Europa League with Chelsea, was the best player. And then Chelsea did their part of the bargain, sold him to Real Madrid. And I think what happened was that was meant to be last season, 1920, was meant to be Pogba's last season. He didn't look like he was enjoying his football. And I can't blame him when you look at the midfield players he was trying to play with, and it looked like he was going to go. Then Bruno comes in in January. The team starts winning. Pog was like, hang on, this is kind of cool. Let me see how this is figuring out. If they get in the Champions League, I might stick around. Then it becomes very, very apparent that Real Madrid were not going to buy anyone in the summer. Mm. So 
I think what's really interesting now with Manchester United is Manchester United's substitute midfield options are Donny van der Beek and Paul Pogba. Those are two players that, in a different non-COVID-affected reality, start the Clasico for Real Madrid. Wow. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. And I think also Bruno is the, has been the best and worst thing for Pogba because Bruno has taken the creative burden off Pogba and done things really well. But he plays with such an intensity that basically he pl- he's playing in Pogba's position, right? So now Pogba is playing as this like ball-carrying, water-carrier the midfielder in a holding role. And his job is now get the ball to Bruno. And Pogba's like, wait, why am I getting the ball to Bruno when I can do everything Bruno can do? <laughs> Whereas, you know, Bruno can turn around and go, well, the difference between me and you is I play with intensity and you don't, which is true. Pogba, even when Pogba has been gifted with that number 10 position with Manchester United and been told, go do what you want, he doesn't play with the requisite English pace and power that is needed and that Bruno has. And well, Bruno has for now. We don't know if his levels will drop after 40 to 60 games. It's just a very inconvenient thing right now, especially oh, now. So Graham soon has had a point this whole time or no. are we just saying like... No. <laughs> no. that's what i'm saying because that's that's his whole thing it's like yeah he's a good he's a good player in terms of what he could do on the ball but he doesn't run enough that's his whole thing and i'm like well don't ask him to run don't expect that from paul pogba we know what he is this is the thing i don't think anyone english football ever understood what he is one because he's tall and black and french and two because they didn't really watch enough you know what they, you know you know how i blame i blame what? yaya Toure. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I blame because no, that's a bad. That's a bad. No, 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 no. no because I, no, it is. I blame Yaya because now everybody who's tall, black, speaks French, and comes into the Premier League has to now be box to box, rampages, no, no, scoring no, twenty goals, ten assists. Like they expect that intensity, but not everybody who looks like him will play like him. Like chill no, with that because no. people no people don't compare people to the next Yaya Tour. They go that he's the next Patrick Vieira, especially if you're black and French. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what Daniel just said there. No, if anyone's going to blame, it's Vieira. Uh, what I'm say not is, saying it's a uh, no. I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Yaya Toure. I'm saying that yeah. people look at what he did in that 13, 14 season, I believe it was, and they think everybody who's like over six foot two and looks like that should be playing that cut that brand of of midfield. But Paul Pogba isn't that. Even though you might think he can in your head somewhere, that's not who he is. He's a different style of midfielder. So I blame Toure for kind of poisoning the well of like, yo, everybody who looks like him has to play like him. No, that's all I'm saying. If Manchester United were about it, Mourinho would have bought a better defensive midfielder than Nemanja Matic and Paul Pogba would have been the Paul Pogba, closest to Paul Pogba we saw at Juventus. But it never if happened. Chelsea were smart in 14-15 after they won the league, they would have bought Pogba for $75 million, and none of this would be a discussion yeah. because he'd be a multi-time Premier League winner Plus the World <laughs> Cup, and he'd be a horseman already. If Manchester Whoa. United, if Manchester United were about it this summer, they would have bought Ngolo Kante, <laughs> right? And this is the thing: Pogba needs Pogba needs the DM, right? I, Juventus, the best Juventus sides, Pogba won stuff at. He had Perlo to do the deep passing. He had Marquisio and Vidal to do the running, right? Whereas at Manchester United, he had to do all of those three things at once, and he was looking yeah. up and looking at Scott McTominay, a younger Scott McTominay, <laughs> looking at Andreas Pereira. Looking at the main match. Did he match. play with like Carrick and yeah. those guys? No, he played with Carrick's last season. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, mm. so he's playing with a young Scott McTominay, an old Nemanja Matic, uh, uh, Fred, uh, a disappointed Fred, like a sad Fred, uh, ambiguous 
Andreas Pereira. As I just give him a central midfielder, give if United just bought a Tony Cruz, specifically just a guy like a Tony Cruz. Isn't that what Van der Beek Pogba. is supposed to be? Like, should no, they no, be no. playing together? He, he's, he's, is, a, he's is, attacking midfielder. Yeah, he's, he's in like a four-three-three. Like, yeah, what, like, well, see, well, see, this is the problem. Like, you can't play those three together. Yep. You can't but, play Bruno Pogba and Van der Beek together. No, you can't do no. it. So one of them, in theory, has to be on the bench. But yeah. I wouldn't think both or two of the three would be on the bench. That's a bit strange. And, well, the reason uh, – this is an article I'm writing for the Athletic right now. The reason Donny's on the bench right now is because I think Oli doesn't want to reveal his back four, right? That back four got six dropped on him by Tom Hotspur. Mm. And his best defensive midfield – his best defensive midfielder right now is the two-man job of Scott McTominay and Fred. Okay, but he played Juan Mata. What is Mata giving you? If you're playing a four-two-three-one, the number ten role is going to be Bruno because he's yeah. earned it for good reason. Ah, um, oh, okay. I got and the you. best and the best pivot right now is Scott McTominay and Fred because <laughs> because Nemanja Matic is old and Paul Popper doesn't want it to. Defend. Brazilian people need to stop naming themselves Fred, bro. It just sounds crazy, <laughs> right? So Fred and got, Joe, Scott McDonnell and Fred, yeah, chill with that. So you've got that, right? So that, so that's 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 your three spots taken up. But the thing is, Scott McTominay and Fred, while they are quite a mobile and can tackle, they're not great passers. So you need an extra playmaker to make mm-hmm. up for that. Hence Juan Mata. Gotcha. Um, that Juan Mata role might eventually make way for Donny van der Beek, but Donny van der Beek is more of a he is a playmaker, but he's best when he's off the ball movement rather than he's on the ball passing. So, Havop, you wanted to discuss Pogba in France. Yeah, no, no. So, so, so basically, like, what's it called? Pogba. Fake news. Fake news. Again, I, I don't know anybody who buys Reza's song because it literally is a piece of trash news, newspaper. But again, people were like, hey, HH, Pogba has quit international for football. Oh, okay, let me do my bing. I bing Pogba <laughs> and then I see the song newspaper is the only source carrying it. I'm like... Bro, I'm not even going to mention it until another source pick, picks it up. Can I get an ESPN? Can I get a Bleach Report? Can I get something? So the, the son said that, because basically, you know, the whole thing with them, the beheading of a teacher in France. So there's this whole thing that has come up again with them, the Muslim community in France and so forth, and an Islamist extremist. And Macron said he's going to now crack down on Islamist extremists. And the son carried a wild bogus story that, oh, because Pogba is Muslim, he would step down after Macron's comments that he felt were um, anti-Islamic, you know, or wanted to sort of um, flim the fires of Islamophobia. Pope comes on Instagram, lengthy posts, and says the son completely fake, 100% fake, and he is considering legal action against the son. And it's just wild. I mean, like, you see, I don't want to get into the other angle. I think that angle is a bit too sensitive because, because anything to do with religion... Uh, I, I stay away from because that's because that's a war and an argument you will never win again in your own time you can just go onto his instagram and just read the comments that are being made <laughs> under his instagram thing but i think it's because people are maybe are attracted to negativity or a sensationalist story or clickbait stories but people are like oh this is a crazy story let me retweet let me say oh Pope wants to leave i'm like wait a minute can you give me three sources four sources can you tell me what these sources are if you're only telling me a piece of crap newspaper known as the Sun, which is a rag, come on. So it's um, you know, I read it and I was like, I don't think Pogba would do this. So I didn't retweet it. I didn't do anything. I might have hit a like just so I could remember it for later. But I saw the story. I was just like, 
that doesn't seem like something Paul Pogba would do. Like, I'm not going to play for France. That's that seems o- too overtly political for mm. Paul Pogba. So I was just like, I'll just I'll just hold judgment until, and especially once you see it's the son, you're like, okay. From what I hear, these guys aren't that great. So <laughs> let me yeah, just pause. So Carl, I won't I won't make you speak on that if you don't want to. But I will ask you about Marcus Rashford though. What's a Marcus ever... Rashford? MBE. That's what. Okay, Say no. Of the I'm, British Empire. Now, I'm going to assume that okay. maybe you, maybe you have, maybe you haven't listened to the past few episodes of the podcast. But I've been saying, and obviously, I'm not using this as a stick to beat Rashford because he's a young man and he's doing great work, right? So, I'm, I'm, I'm not critiquing Rashford in any way. But I want, you, I want to get your opinions on this. Do you think it was a good move to take the MBE? And obviously, this is my 30 year old brain now, so I'm not 22. You know, and maybe if I was 22, hey, the queen wants to give me something, fine, I'll take it. But 30-year-old me looks at it like, why would I want to be a member of an empire that's created the situation that I'm trying to fix? My, my and also, are, Boris still hasn't, hasn't spoken are, to him, though. My thoughts are Marcus Rashford is a wonderful young man, mm-hmm. and his mother, Melanie Rashford, has a lot to be proud of. And I think it might have been politically charged to offer him the MBE and maybe a chance to buy him off. But I think the fact he's taking that MBE and has continued his work. And I think the work he's done over the weekend, where in between him playing a game against Chelsea, he was also, or at least his team, he was either him himself, or he organised a team to just tweet over and over and over again, local information of players opening locals, that offering free school meals is a mm. triumph, right? Like whether or not you were, you think it was a, good idea to take an MB. And I, you know, when I was 21, I was very much, if they give me an MB, I'll take it. And now I'm close to being 30. If they offered me an MB, you know what I always say? The difference between me getting an M, taking an MB and not taking an MB is my mum. If my mum went, I'd like you to take it, I'm taking it because I'm here to make my mum proud. You know, I can imagine Rashford having that sort of conversation because Melanie Rashford is, I mean, if I ever meet Melanie Rashford, I'm going to hope. What is the Nigerian term for when you bow down to an old elder person you want to respect? Prostrate? Yeah. Yeah, if I meet Manny Rashford, I'm doing that. That's so you lay down, face that. down. <laughs> that's why. She's she's a wonderful woman, and thanks to the work of her son, thousands thousands of children are not going to go hungry. So I, I don't really care this day or that way about the MB. What I will say about Marcus Rashford is he's doing fantastic work. I think he's a wonderful young man. I think he's also made the jump in terms of football. So when he burst onto the scene, he was a streaky finisher and was a bit inconsistent. And now he's made the jump and has become a better finisher. I think he's not world-class yet, but he has the shoots of it there. Uh, I feel more confident Marcus Rashford will be a world-class striker than he will not be a world-class striker. I think he's on his way to properly recovering from that horrific injury he had around about January last year, where he basically couldn't sit down because he was in so much pain. And yeah, uh, and like Marcus Rashford also said he doesn't want people to start mudslinging and putting together insults on his behalf, especially towards women, because of what his mom has told him. So I'm not going to yell at people on the internet on Marcus Rashford's behalf. Two more things. One of them is fun. One of them is slightly less fun. Which one do you want? Uh, let's start with the less fun one. Less fun. Okay, so the less, the, one, the less fun thing is just El Clasico. So what? Wait, how's that? Oh, okay, what was the more fun one then? 13-0. A team got slapped 13-0. That's more fun to talk about than El Clasico. No, 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 no. See, you have it wrong. 
the less fun is 13 0 because that is a day. What? There's nothing, there's nothing funny about that. No, but that is hilarious. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's a disgrace. That's not funny. You. You don't have a word for 13. Did you invent one? Did you come up with one? Have you extended the list? I not. never thought you, I would need to, to create any terms beyond 10. <laughs> so I stopped at 10 because I said, we're not going to be, we're not going to see anything beyond 10 in a top tier league. VVV proved me wrong. So screw <laughs> them. Hence why it's not funny. VVV. losers, man. They're missing the style, class, and guile that was offered when Lee Catamore was playing there. You know what? Let's let's get rid of that of the, of, of these losers. Like I said again, there's nothing. I have no, nothing to say. At it's, home, it's an they lost it at home. <laughs> embarrassment, disgrace. Ah oh, man, I I picked up win when it was like eight or nine. I think it was four nil. So I was half watching the buying game and half watching the the IX one. Well, like keeping tabs, uh, and I think it got to four nil in both games. And um, I was in conversation with someone who, you know, who supports Ajax because I'm trying to do research on Donny. Uh, and they went, it's very important. One thing you should never do is compare Bayern Munich with Ajax because it's really annoying. And I would made a joke like, yeah, well, they are currently both 4-0 up. And then the score kept going up and kept going up. And when he got to 6-0, I went, hang on. And I think it was at 6-0 that I tweeted. At 6-0, I tweeted, do yourself a favor, check out the Ajax score. And then I had a bunch of people go, what? And they checked it out, 6-0, went to 7, and yeah. I watched the highlights. What's really interesting is only one of the goals were scored from outside the box. So it wasn't a bunch of, you know, lucky goals or overperformance. This was Ajax absolutely crushing a team. Um, what was interesting was, obviously, Ajax beat the Venlo 13-0 while Ziyech and Van der Beek started for their new clubs sitting on the bench. <laughs> no, no. Life's tough, bro. Life is tough. Uh, okay, so that was the fun part. I don't know, like, how is that not fun? It's fun. It's funny. How is not? It's not. That's why it isn't funny. Like, it seemed losing thirteen zero in a top Schroden, tier isn't funny. German's a weird one, but I sometimes oh, again, take pleasure in the misery of others compared to Dutch. But yes, the word you're looking for is Schroden for it. All right. El Clasico. People will be like, you guys did a whole hour and you didn't talk about the biggest game in the world. Okay, guys. We're here. Class goes in the biggest game in the world. Be quiet. Humble yourself. It Wait, is. What is the biggest club game in the world? I'm not answering that question. Boca Juniors River Plate, Scornthorpe Sunderland, Elche <laughs> Huesca. I love how I love how El- Elche is one of your to go to La Liga teams. Oh no, no, oh, no, no. They're like, like I don't know. There's something about those Spanish names that they just sound particularly British compared to other. When most teams. people bring up Spanish teams, they always go like Real Madrid, Barcelona. Then they go Atletico, and then maybe they bring up Villarreal. Or Valencia, but he always goes, for you, I he know. goes straight to the I bottom. Know, I know, El- I know, Elche is going to be like one of the like top three names you mentioned from Elche, me. Granada. He's like, uh, who's got Elche? <laughs> who, are the, who are the other ones? No, um, Huesca. Huesca. I think Hercules is another one in there. Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, El classical. Um, Zizu, he's never lost at Camp Nou. The, he's, it's just Juju at this. I, do you I guys know that, uh, Carl, Carl, do you, do you know the Stephen A. meme where he's like, how do you do that? How do <laughs> you do, do that? that? <laughs> That's what I want to know about Zidane, like his whole managerial career. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, he's a lot more boring than people expected. I think what's really interesting is now Ronaldo's gone and he's come back. 
he's got a degree of autonomy and power at Real Madrid that he didn't have the first time. And he's now allowed to make Real Madrid the way he wants it. And I think even though Zinedine is a Real Madrid legend, he manages as if it is Juventus in 1999. And it's very clear he wants Real Madrid to have the structure and system and defence that made his Juventus side good and that made that sort of environment so pleasant for him to play in. It's telling that uh, one of my good f- footballing friends on Twitter, Grace on Football, said it's really telling that Zidane said so many good things about Makalele and when and then Roma just sold him. So then when he came in as a manager, went, here's Casemiro and he plays every single game. It's basically a reaction to who he was as a player and who he was as a player was someone that very much appreciate organisation and dedication and functionality over high-flying talent. And you're seeing that now in this Real Madrid team, which, you know, they're not going to be Champions League quality. I doubt they'll get past the quarterfinals or even get to the quarterfinals. But they will be able to just grind out games, especially when your man Ramos comes back. Big up my man Modric. People people said he was done. He's still done. He's still done. Like (laughs) He's he's past his, his peak. He's past his peak, but when you're quality and you have talent, you will always be able to, in a few games, produce something exceptional. And you know, he's that's 35, no? Oh, he's 35. He's I a Ballon d'Or. Where was Xavi at 35? Retired. <laughs> Xavi was 35 Modric, in Qatar. So... Modric's been around. He was a prodigy. He was playing senior level football at 16 in Croatia. So, what, what are your what are your macro thoughts on El Clasico? Have hope. Like, what did you? What was your one big takeaway? I think we're going to get in a pretty different, exciting La Liga season. And I think this is going to be the first La Liga season in a long time where it may not be a battle between Barcelona and Real Madrid. I'm still not convinced about Real Madrid. And I think that Sevilla and Atletico should be looked at. Barcelona, I I worry for them because Messi 100% looks like a guy who was like, I wanted to leave. You forced me to stay. Okay. If we go 2-0 down, F it. I'm done. Seven, I think it's six or seven games in, and he still not yet scored a goal from open play. When was the last time that ever happened where five, six games into the season, not scored a single from open play? Somebody asked me yesterday, so, how many goals and assists do you think Messi will have this season? And I said, like, 15 and 15. No. Feels right to me. But then they were like, nah, he's going to come back. It's going to be like 25 and 10 or something like that. So, like, do you think Messi will, as as everything, I guess this is the general com- premise of the show, like, do, do you think Messi will course correct? All competitions? Yeah, all comps. 2020. 2020. Easy. He's so, because he's, because he's so ball dominant and the way Barcelona need to align him. And Koeman is, is trying and <laughs> I can see, I can see what he's doing there. Right, so he's moving to this four-two-three-one, and he's got Busquets and Frankie De Jong in the pivot. Uh, Busquets, this is it, right? Busquets didn't have a dip in form for so long. We we're going, yeah, maybe Busquets can just be amazing forever. But this is it. This is the bad Busquets time, and it's awful. He was, he dropped an absolute stinker in the Clasico. Uh, I have no idea how Coutinho has managed to con Kuman into playing as the number ten, to which, ugh, ugh. But Fatty looks like the one. I must admit, before the start of the season, I thought Fatty was being overpromoted. But I think what's really good is that. Did Messi you just say over? Whoa, well, pause. Did you just say overpromoted so, as yeah. a way to not say overrated? No, overpromoted. I think so. Uh, the current Spain coach said if the Euro started, he, the current squad he took for his most recent 
batch would go to the Euros, which included Fatty. And I thought Fatty was not ready to play a Euros yet, um, at least based on current merit. So again, I thought it was overpromoted. Um, I don't use overrated. Trust That's me. what I was saying. So like, <laughs> you, you found a way to sneak around it. I don't think he's. I don't think he's overrated. I think I haven't seen enough of him. But I thought it's a bit too much, too young for a player. But from what I'm seeing, he seems to be dealing with what should be a highly pressurized environment really, really well. No, there no, is no, enough quality is, in that box. Good man, Fatih is it? Yes, the guy, yeah. the guy's good. I'm saying that. I, I I didn't see it until maybe this month. But Fatih is not only good but better than I thought he would be. Um, I think there is enough quality into his Barcelona squad to be w- able to win a La Liga, and. Um, I am not a football manager, but if you gave me that squad in football manager or FIFA and went build a team, I would not build them in the same way that Kuman is. I definitely wouldn't have Busquets starting games. Um, Could you have Coutinho in defensive midfield? Ugh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's Barcelona, so I'd, I'd try and play a four-three-three, and I know, I, I know for sure, I definitely want Frankie De Jong as the deepest lying midfielder. I don't know who I'd play next to him. I guess I'd play Piankic and... Somebody. Yeah, see? This is the thing. Um, okay. I think, I think we Kuman, have... Kuman, Kuman has a better set of cards than most people think he has, and he's playing them still badly, which, you know, it's amazing. I'm really surprised that someone who got sacked as the manager of Everton turned out to be not that good as a manager of Barcelona. So we have one question that we need to answer in less than two minutes. And this is from... Jax365. He says, are we heading towards a footballing disaster with the schedule? The Euros and Copa America next summer, Africa Cup of Nations and possible Asian Cup in January 2022. Season will start early for the Winter World Cup in 2022. Will players suffer from burnout, both physical and mental? Yes. Possible, yeah. No, it's not even possible. Yes. right. I didn't realize that all of those things were converging in yeah. like one year. That's, no, no, that that seems like a lot of football, especially when they're packing this season. They're going to change. We're, killing, we're, we're, change we're breaking football players and it's not possible. I think anyone interested in this should look up um, things coming off from uh, FIFA Pro, which is the union of football players and how you've got football players and former pros like Vincent Company himself going, this is too many games of football and you are going to hurt players in a way that is just awful. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's. I think things will change. I think they will. They'll put pressure to postpone the Asian Cup, postpone the the the, the Nations Cup, and everything. But just if they touch Afcon, no, no, no. But I swear to God, they better not touch Afcon. The thing about it is that because of COVID and the fact that we now have this freaking Winter World Cup, whose bright idea world was that? <laughs> I can only imagine what the hell the next few years are going to look like because COVID has just thrown a wrench into the works with regards yeah. to. How are you going to sort out player fatigue and con- conditioning if you now have to start the season earlier on? I mean, it a winter World Cup, really? They put it in the desert, dog. Like, <laughs> they they put a summer competition. Just in the, cool in the, the pitch. Desert, put, so. put, put put like a fridge. Put like build like build build, build some fridges underneath the pitch and just cool the pitch. Build some something. fridges. Man said, build some fridges. <laughs> yeah, like Good. like what's it called, like. Every player gets dipped into like ice blocks before the game. Then you're cool. Then puts put like a a, a cooling thing. What the heck? They were meant to have they were, in, in the initial the... pitch. They were meant to have they were meant to have um, man made clouds. Oh, I remember yeah. that. Remember man made clouds. I remember seeing in the you can you look them up on YouTube. It was the, like these the huge... stadiums. The yeah, like well, yeah. yeah. What are those called? Yeah. Just like the yeah. mock 
giraffe stadiums or just the the, the designs. They were very interesting. Um, what what I thought would happen is they would do thirty minutes, take a break. Thirty minutes, take a break. Thirty minutes, take a break. Instead of two forty five minute halves, you do three 30 minute periods but they were like nope let's just move it to the winter so don't put a summer tournament in the desert that's just dumb but anyway this has been the talking tactics podcast we do this podcast every tuesday remember to follow us on twitter instagram facebook soundcloud at talking tactics if you're listening on spotify give us a follow if you're on apple podcast subscribe us free uh leave us a five-star review and read it on the show have hope where can people follow you have hope footballhot.com carl where can people get you one time and command 616. Tuesday, 9 a.m. GMT. Big announcement. Look forward to it. Talking Tech this podcast. Sometimes. Oh, we have a Chelsea podcast that we're doing on Half Hope's oh. channel every Thursday. It's called The Complicated Chelsea Show. So Abdullahi wants one sin as well. So it was two hours long. Bring Abdullahi. Yeah, it was long, of course. Like we can run our mouths about Chelsea. That's why I didn't press Chelsea <laughs> the, yeah, too yeah. much at the beginning. Because I was like, oh, we can save it. We can save it. Actually, like we, we sort of sort of skitted over the whole Chelsea. Thing. Ah, oh yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we can save it. Um, so yeah, tune into that. Talking Texas podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace, peace, peace. Peace. Stay black. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 